Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. What a delight and honor it is to be gathered with God's people today. Man, I saw the chat room going crazy. I will not be shaken. I'm so grateful for uh, God's foundation that, that, that we are building on a solid rock, not a sinking sand, not, not unstable ground, not muddy ground, not an unsure ground, but a solid foundation that will not shake us. When the cares of life come in, when the craziness starts to blow, when the winds blow and the rain falls and the floods come and they beat against that house, the Bible tells us in Luke uh, chapter 5 that I will not fall. Why? Because I can't be shaken because of the solid foundation in which we are on. I'm grateful for the worship team. Uh, I know y'all aren't in here, but if y'all could give them some love in the in the chat room. I mean, I am grateful for them. They are faithful, consistent. I mean, there, there hasn't been a week that has gone by that we weren't led in worship, and I'm grateful for the worship team. I'm grateful for the band and their faithfulness and just using their gifts. They could be anywhere. I mean, anywhere. Uh, but they're in the house of the Lord, and I am grateful for that. Uh, we're coming off the heels of a great time at the amphitheater at Herbert Von King Park. Every time we get outdoors and get together as a church, um, and I'm grateful. I'm also grateful that no one passed out in that heat. That that was that was like next level. Like if you don't trust in the Lord because of that heat, is like a glimpse of hell. You just like give your life to the Lord. It was like different level heat. I, I went home and just like zonked out. Uh, but I'm grateful to be able to gather with God's people uh, physically when we do get together. And so many of you have kept asking me, when, when are we going to start to gather consistently as a church? When, when can we get back together? And there's a couple promises we made you guys. Number one, we, we always made the promise that we would follow the guidelines of the city, the local officials, and um, the CDC, and it seems like things are opening back up. I was out in the city earlier this week, and I mean, it was just people on top of people, and uh, no mask. And, and so we're, we're we're moving into a, a different phase. And I can promise you this: those of you who are asking, when are we about to start meeting together? Uh, the answer is soon. The, the answer is actually really, really soon. I have some. Uh, really exciting things to uh, to lay out before you in the coming weeks. I, I'm not at liberty to really push a lot of that out today, but I'll say this. This week is an important week, and if you guys could pray, I really do solicit your prayers this week uh, as we continue to make decisions and continue to push forward at trying to be what God has called us to be, and that is the church, and that 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 goes beyond just Sunday morning, but our Sunday morning gatherings is a is a window into the church. So if you guys would be praying, just commit some time this week. Those of y'all who are in this room and those of y'all who are online right now, if you could just take a few minutes each day and just lift up a prayer for the Lord's church, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. All right, my responsibility is to get into the Word of God, and I'm always excited to do so. Grab your Bibles and go to the second book of the Bible. Uh, that is the book of Exodus. For those of you who are theologically astute, the book of Exodus is the second book of the Bible. We're still in our Built Different sermon series. 
a series that is designed to help believers realize that uh, because we've trusted in Jesus, we, we just, we walk different. We, we think different. We, we're a culture within a culture. We're people among a bunch of other people. And first week we got together and we were talking about being built different. We talked about we're built different as it, relo- as it results to pain and loss. And we looked at the two women that went to the tomb and they followed behind and they prepared the body of Jesus and how they were grieving, but grieving together. That's a benefit, right, that we have of, uh, of being built different is that we get to grieve with the body, not isolated. And they were serving and, and they, they didn't give up serving. They, they, they remained committed to the commandments, which, which, which shows us that even though they were in the midst of grief, they didn't allow grief to be a license to fall into a crazy life of sin, but they remained devoted to the Lord. Second week we got together, really second and third, uh, we spent two whole weeks in Acts 17. We looked at Paul at the Areopagus and we talked about how we are different and we engage in, with the culture differently. Where we're not called to be hermits. Where we're not called to be isolated. We're, but we're, we're called to dig in and influence the culture, not be influenced by the culture. So we looked at Paul. We looked at how Paul walked in the Areopagus and quoted their philosophers and saw common ground and looked at a statue that was not named and was able to use that as a platform to launch his presentation of the gospel. And this week I'm excited because we're talking about how as believers we're built different and we respond to the pandemic differently. Now let me say that differently. We respond different to the pandemic. So everybody's gone through this, man. There's not a person in this world that has not been affected by this pandemic. The difference between those who have trusted in Jesus is that we know that there's purpose and even design behind the pandemic. I know you've, you've, you've lost a lot. I, I get it. I, I know this thing has rocked your world and shaped things that you didn't expect. But uh, as believers, we just are, we're built different. And so we respond differently even to the pandemic. And so you'll, you'll allow me a few minutes to try to make sense of, I think, some things that we miss in the Exodus story. I kind of want to point out some things to you and talk about how we respond to the pandemic differently. You can keep playing. I'm just going to read a, a, a bunch of verses, but just stick with me. Exodus chapter 5. Two verses here. Read, re- read with me. Verse 1 it says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Uh, went to Pharaoh and said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, please underline this if you're at home and you have a physical copy. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Do me a favor and just jump to chapter seven real quick. Verse 14 in chapter seven says, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going to the water. Standing, stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take your hand, take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go it that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die 
The Nile shall stink and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking the water from the Nile. Hang in there with me. A few more verses here. The Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, their ponds, and all of their pools of water so that they may become blood. And there should be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in the vessels of wood and the vessels of stone. Verse 20, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile and all the Nile turned into blood and the fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank. You know it stinks when they put an A on it. It didn't stink, it stank. So that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout the land of Egypt, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house and did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for the water to drink, for they could not drink of the water in the Nile. We'll make sense of that in a second. Seven full days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. I want to preach today from the topic, staying right in where we've been in this series, we respond different, the pandemic. Uh, Let's look to the Lord. I dare not open my mouth and preach God's word without going to the throne of grace. If you'll join me there, Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for not just your presence, your consistent presence. You're, you're, You're always there. We don't realize it when when we're not acknowledging you, you're, you're there and you're, you're present. And so, Father, I pray today that we would experience that presence in a tangible way. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Many of us have been struggling over the last year, over a year. We, we've been in this thing over a year. Some of us have become numb, numb to you, numb to the world, numb to our emotions. And we've just gotten into a season of coasting and rhythms. And so, Father, would you break up those rhythms today? Would you break up that coasting today? Would you break down our pride that we may kneel before you even in this season? It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. We respond different, uh, specifically to the pandemic. Uh, Coming out of 2019 into 2020, uh, most of us had uh, all types of goals and resolutions in place. I mean, I I know for a fact I had uh, weddings planned that I was prepared to officiate that had to get moved and acceptance letters started to come in for those who were preparing themselves to go to college. And uh, by God's grace, our church coming out of 2019 into 2020, we we experienced 139 percent growth in our church. I mean, literally our three services were out of control at one point. I don't know if y'all know this man, but we had to get an architect in the building uh, to check the floor because when I don't know if y'all remember this, when we would get together, it would be so many people crammed into this room that the floor almost felt like it was just, just going to cave in. I mean, by God's grace, we saw people coming to the Lord. We were baptizing people. I had personally had goals uh, that, that, that I was looking to accomplish in 2020 as a church. We were getting ready to secure a larger facility. And then March hit of 2020. And when March hit of 2020, many of us, including the church, was not prepared. 
We, 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 we've never experienced anything like this in our lifetime. We didn't, no one ever prepared you of, uh, of how to go through life in a pandemic. I, I personally have never pastored through a pandemic. And so many of us foolishly thought that there was going to be end date happening soon. I know we would gather within our staff meetings and I would, we would plan ahead just two weeks and be like, next two weeks, we'll, we'll be back together. And then we pushed it off a week and we pushed it off a week. And the next thing we know, we're pushing it off a month. And, and then we were looking at the numbers go crazy. And that's all that we were seeing was these numbers. And we realized that this thing had no end date in sight. The pandemic was indefinite. And throughout the last year, one of the questions that many of us have asked God, if you have any type of communication or prayer life at all, one of the things we've asked God over and over again throughout the pandemic is, God, what are you doing? God, have, has anybody asked that in this room? God, what, what, are you, what are you up to? Well, what is the purpose of this pandemic? Because I don't know about you, but I, I just believe in the full sovereignty of God. I, I don't think there's, there's any part of life that God doesn't have jurisdiction and God doesn't have complete control over. My grandmother wouldn't say God is sovereign. My grandmother would say, baby, God is in control. God is never, ever, 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 ever surprised. He's, he's never, ever caught off guard. The, the Trinity is never in heaven going, Jesus, what happened? Like, Spirit, why, why are you not down there? Like, what, how did this happen? They're, they're always in full control and they completely know. And so the question on the table is, if God is in complete control and God really is, as we say theologically, he is sovereign, what are you doing, God? What, what are you doing in the midst of this pandemic? What is the purpose of it? And I think... The passage before us, Exodus chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 7, I think we're going to answer this question, Lord, what are you doing? But what the passage does is it helps us get a small picture into the supernatural working of God and how he uses events, watch this, supernatural events to push us closer to his will. How he uses supernatural events to expose himself so that we know who he is, just for context purposes, because if we parachute into Exodus chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 7, and I don't give you context, I literally won't sleep tonight. So just quick context, uh, Israel has been in bondage and slavery in Egypt now for 430 years. And, and now they, God has heard the cries of the people and now he is finally sending them a deliverer. So he prepares this guy named Moses. He meets him at a bush that's burning but not being consumed. And God is so dope. He's like, you can't just be in my presence with those shoes on because feet were considered, undirt, were considered dirty. Take those shoes off because this is holy ground. And then he tells them to go ahead to Egypt, go back to Egypt because I am now going to deliver my people. I have heard their cries and more important than the messenger is the supernatural events that God uses to ultimately get his agenda across, to get his will across, to align Israel, to, to make sure that he is fulfilling the promise to deliver Israel and how he chooses to lead them out of bondage. Don't miss this is 10 plagues, AKA a pandemic. God uses a pandemic in order to move Israel out of bondage and move them into the promised land. God uses sickness. God uses death. God uses the collapsing of an Egyptian economy in order to move 
Israel closer to his will. And I don't have time to go through all 10 of the plagues. Y'all, y'all do that on your own time. You can either watch the Prince of Egypt or you can be spiritual and read Exodus chapter 7 all the way to Exodus chapter 11. I don't have time to deal with all of them. I'll just deal with the first one, which is the Nile River. But I think that there are some things that we miss in the Exodus story. I think we focus on the, on the climax moments, right? We, we focus on the 10 plagues and we focus on the Red Sea parting and, 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 and swallowing up the Egyptians. But there are some things that happened even before any of the uh, plagues happened that I think it's important to pay attention to. So one of the things we miss with the, with, with the pandemic, a.k.a. the 10 plagues, is we miss the reason for why God even did it. And I think... In my study this week, I missed it the first few times I read this story, but I found the purpose of why God even sent the 10 plagues. You do know he could have just said he he didn't even need Moses. He could have just moved Pharaoh's heart to wake up one morning and be like, we don't need these slaves anymore. And they could have just walked freely, but he does not do that. He uses Moses and watch what happens here in verse number one. It says, after Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, It says, they said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? You know, Pharaoh is, Pharaoh often gets looked at as this, this, this mystical ancient figure with a bald head with a ponytail. Like we, we, we've, we've reduced Pharaoh to just be this, this ancient figure. When in reality, Pharaoh is just like many of us. Pharaoh, I'll go deeper. Pharaoh is just like our culture. Pharaoh is a modern us or we are an ancient Pharaoh. Either one, there's a common ground that I found this week in the text when I read what Pharaoh said back to Moses, who is the Lord that I should obey him. Here's why Pharaoh is a modern us and a modern culture, I should say, is because we live in a very pluralistic culture. We live in a culture that does not like exclusion. We want inclusion. We want all the gods to be accepted, right? We want to trust Jesus, burn sage, trust in Buddha, read the Quran. We want to do all of these things just in case I miss out on a technicality. I want to do all of these things. We live in a society and a culture that does not like exclusion. In fact, one of the gripes I hear uh, with God's church is that the church is too narrow-minded. We're, we're too inclusive. You, you, you're too much of a social club. You're, you need to open yourselves up. I, I remember when we first started our church, there was a church down the street. It used to be on Notion. It's not there anymore. It, it's not a church. It was a, like a spiritual worship center. And all the all different religions could come in. Everybody was welcome. They, they didn't exclude anybody. In fact, they would preach from the Bible, but sometimes they would preach from the Quran. And sometimes they, there was one of the books that they had was a book of authority. It was a book on poems. And they would preach from a book on poems because they liked this, this pluralistic idea. This idea that we can accept any God. And so you got to understand what's happening underneath the text. Moses is coming to Pharaoh. Don't miss this with another God. Like don't, don't, don't act like Egypt didn't worship a bunch of different gods. Ancient Egypt would have worshiped at least 114 gods. And so Moses bringing them the God of the Hebrews. 
I can tell you now, Pharaoh ain't, he don't care about that. That's not offending him. Now, what does move him is that you're saying that the God of my slaves is the one who's in full control even over me. You got to understand that Pharaoh thought he was a God. And so for you to come to me and say, my slave's God is the God that has complete control over me. See, that that's a problem. And why do I say Pharaoh is like our culture? Because I found within our culture, most people are accepting of God as long as that God doesn't tell me what to do. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the God thing, but that God can't infringe upon my freedoms. I'm good with this God thing as long as he doesn't get in my spaces that I consider as sacred. He, I'll trust him, but he can't tell me how to raise my children. I'll give my life to him, but he can't tell me how to spend my money. I'll go to church, but I, I don't want God to be all up in my relationship business and so on and so on and so on. And so we live in a culture that is fully accepting of God as long as God does not tell them what to do. And that's exactly what Pharaoh was doing. God is like, Pharaoh was like, who, who is this Lord? But then he goes on to say that I should obey him. I'm okay with the Hebrews having a God. In fact, I don't think he was surprised. I think he knew that his slaves had a God and he didn't care because he thought that, their sla- that his slaves, God was weak. Because why would a God enslave his own people? But God is about to show up and flex his muscles. And what God, what, what God is about to do in Pharaoh's, in, in Pharaoh's life, and not just Pharaoh, but all the Egyptians, is show them that there is a God that is mighty and in control. There's a British philosopher by the name of William Ernest Henley. Here's a quote that he said about how we live our lives. He said, it matters not how straight the gate or how charged with punishments the scroll. Here it is. I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. Like you put a J. Cole beat behind that, put, put, put a dude in a, in a bins with a suit on. That's a great marketing tool. I mean, I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my, we love stuff like that. That thing would sell. I would be interested to see what is, the, what is this? How is he the master of his fate? And let me just promise you, history has proven we're not, we're not the master of anything. You're, you're, you're not the captain of anything. And just because you're riding in a Benz or have a suit on doesn't make you the master of your fate. Doesn't make you the captain of your soul. Let me come a little deeper and get a little closer to your, your, your world. Just because uh, you've accomplished some great things doesn't mean you're the master of your fate. Just, just because you have a nice job doesn't mean that you're the captain of your soul. Just because you got on your Balenciagas today doesn't mean that you're the captain of your soul. And, and, and what, what is happening here is an overconfidence in you. It's an overconfidence in who you think you are. And so Egypt right now, uh, they, they are pluralistic. They serve a bunch of different gods. And they don't know this God of the Hebrews, but they're about to be introduced to them, they are not an atheistic culture. I have news for you, neither are we. I, I, could just, I looked it up this week. Do you know that, that in America, atheism is only makes up 4% of the population? Only 4%. They're, they're a minority, a very loud minority. Nevertheless, being an atheist is a, is a minority. Most people believe in something. Most people believe in some type of higher power. Most people are asking the question that Pharaoh is asking, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And so what God does is God is like, you know what? I could just audibly answer that question, but I'm not just going to answer that question. I'm going to show you who I am. 
And how I'm going to show you how I'm going to reveal myself is through a pandemic. Those of you who don't know me, you about to know me. Those of you who do know me, you about to really trust me because I'm about to flex my muscles through a pandemic. And so Pharaoh wanted to know who God was. That's what God, that's what Pharaoh asked, asked and God answers the question. Watch how he answers it in verse number seven, uh, chapter seven, verse 14. It says, the Lord said to Moses, uh, heart, uh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refused to listen to me and let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning while he's going down to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile. Uh, to meet him and take your in your hand the staff and turn that turned into a serpent you shall say to him the lord the god of the hebrews sent me to you saying let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness but so far as but so far he has not obeyed thus says the lord watch this by this you shall know who i am do you see how god is answering pharaoh's question Pharaoh's question in chapter five was, who is the Lord that I should obey him? God answers Pharaoh in chapter seven. And he says, by this, you shall know that I am the Lord. But by, by what? By, by the plague, by, by the Nile turning into blood, by the pandemic, you're going to know that I am the Lord. This phrase, by this, you shall know that I am the Lord, appears over and over again throughout the Exodus experience. In fact, I want you to read Exodus 5 all the way to Exodus 11 this, this week in, in your personal devotion time. Just read through it. In fact, this is a good story. Just in one sitting, don't get up. Said, said like, turn your phone off, put it on airplane mode, and just read Exodus 5 to Exodus 11. And if you're real spiritual, go back to Exodus 5 and do it again. And if you believe in a trinity, go back to Exodus 5, <laughs> do it one more time. And you'll see this phrase. I want you to mark it. Mark how many times this phrase, by this you shall know that I am the Lord, appears. God was so after showing himself, not just to Egypt, but to Israel. He was using the plagues to show who he was. In fact, I looked up a few for you. Exodus chapter 7 verse 5 says, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt. Exodus chapter 14, I will, honor, uh, I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Exodus chapter 10 verse Number two, and that you may tell in the hearing of your sons and your grandsons how I made a mockery of Egypt and how I performed signs amongst them that you may know that I am the Lord. God was determined to show himself to people that did not know who he was and he used a pandemic to do it. Don't, don't miss how God operates here. See, we want this mystical feeling of God. We, we want to come into church and go shut out of the boat and think that that's how we feel God. I'm not saying that you don't feel him like that, but we think that's the only experience of God. But sometimes God reveals himself in hardship called a pandemic. So sometimes God exposes who he is in the midst of a pandemic. And I wonder if the purpose of God throughout this pandemic was to teach you who he really is. I wonder if you lost that job so that God can show you that I really am the provider. I, I just wonder if you lost loved ones so that God can show you I really am a comforter. You, you sing about it, but I'm actually that. I wonder if many of you have had health issues over the last year and a half, and it's God saying I really am a healer. I wonder if many of you have had to relocate and God is like, I really want to know if you trust me, even in a season of relocation, God is 
trying to expose himself to somebody. And somebody right here on the other end of this camera right now, you're sitting there going, I think he's talking to me. I, I, I feel like God has been trying to expose himself. But here's the question. Are you missing him? Are, are you missing the lessons? He's taking you to school, but are you missing him? By this, you shall know I am the Lord. I want you to plug into this. By what? What is he using to expose himself to you? He used 10 plagues to expose himself to Israel. I mean, Pharaoh literally said, who is the Lord? And God said, I'm going to show you. Now, turn into blood. And that's the start of God exposing himself, not just to the Egyptians, but also to Israel. What lessons is God teaching you? Well, when you're asking, I started the sermon by saying, many of us have asked that question, God, what are you up to? Has God answered it, but you've missed the answer. Have we missed what God has been saying? Well, pastor, I feel you and all that. I, I got you. Uh, but God is too massive for me to actually know. God is too massive for me to actually comprehend and understand. I understand and I got you. But that's why we look to Jesus. Because what Jesus does is even in the midst of a pandemic, Jesus reveals to us all that God the Father is. Ah, I got to back that thing up with some Bible. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Everything you want to know about God the Father, we look to Jesus. You want to know about the mercy of God? You got to look to Jesus. You want to look at the kindness of God over the last year? You got to look to Jesus. You want to look at the power of God? You got to look to Jesus. You want to look at the comforting of God the Father? You got to look to Jesus. Colossians says everything you need to know about this mass of God, God has made plain in Jesus. Everything you want to know about this, this God that is infinite is also intimate. And we get the intimacy through the person and the work of Jesus. And so many of you are asking exactly what Pharaoh was asking. Who is the Lord? You may not verbally be saying that, but your life has been patterned after who is the Lord? And if you do know him, you're at the second part of his question that I may obey him. I'm not obeying. I'm not, I'm not giving full trust to God. And God is like, now nah, I got to really expose to you who I am. He is literally causing an economic catastrophe in order to make himself known. Don't tell me he won't use a pandemic to show you who he is. He did it in Exodus. All right, let me keep going. Watch this. So the first plague is the, the turning of the Nile. Again, I'm not going through all I'm not going through all 10 and we're not extending this. So I'm not doing one a week. We're, we're just doing this one. You got, you got to read the rest of them on your own. But watch what he does here. It says, thus says the Lord, by this, by the pandemic, by the plagues, you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, it says, with the staff, I'm in verse 17 of chapter 7, with the staff in your hand, I will strike the water of the, uh, that is in the Nile. And it shall turn to blood and the fish in the Nile shall die and it will stink. Let me jump down because he kind of he just does it and he repeats it. But verse 22, no, verse 24 says, verse 23 says, Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he did not even take this into heart. Verse 24 rocks me, though. And all of the Egyptians dug alongside of the Nile for the water to drink, for they could not drink of the water in the Nile. Seven full days passed. It says the Lord, since the Lord struck the Nile, the Nile River was um, Egypt's source of two things, economic power, but also it was the source of their happiness. Don't miss this. The Nile River was the source of their economic power 
And it was the source of their happiness. I'll say it this way. If the Nile dried up, there goes the Nile Basin. If the Nile Basin dries up, there goes Egypt. You literally don't have Egypt surviving without the Nile. You, you, you need the Nile River. You, you, you absolutely 100% need the Nile River. It's, it's the, right now, it's the longest river in, in, uh, in Africa right now. Now, remember when I told you that they worshipped 114 gods, one of the gods that Egypt would have worshipped was a god named Anukit. The the god Anukit is the one that protected the Nile. This one god had one job. One job. You got one job, sis. The goddess, you got to protect the Nile River. That's your one job. And God comes in, God the Father comes in and turns the Nile into blood like it's nothing the longest river within Egypt. He turns it into blood, flexing his muscles even over the God that they thought was supposed to protect them. Protect what? Protect their economic power. I don't know if you're seeing the the connection between how the economies in the world are falling right now because of this pandemic. This economy was falling because of this pandemic. And the second thing he was protect was that the goddess was to protect was their happiness. They they drew happiness from the now. And I just wonder. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to argue. I'm I'm just wondering. Could God be exposing the things that you find bring you happiness that are earthly? Could God be shaking up your financial economics? Because he's trying to show you who he really is. Some of you lost jobs and I wonder if God is like you're trusting that job more than you're trusting me. Some of you have lost relationships and I wonder if God is like you were trusting that relationship more than you were trusting me. Some of you were denied promotions and I wonder if God is like I can't give you that because if I give you that you will think that that is your source of provision and you'll deny who I am. And I just wonder if God is turning now rivers of our life into blood. Uh, and, and you know what the crazy thing is? Some of us need it. I know, I know it's, we live in those cultures that's like, ah, you better speak those things. You, you, better, you better call that thing that is not, that is though they were for it's such a misrepresentation of scripture. But the, the, the point I'm making is it's funny how many of us want God to always take us into seasons of success, but sometimes he has to turn the Nile River in your life to blood in order to get your attention. He literally took... Their source of happiness. Let me put Bible here. John chapter 10, verse 10. I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Anything that you are longing after and making it a priority and making it a functional savior, God will always disrupt it. Anything you will take as your source of happiness, God will always take that thing and shake it up. And that's why many of you are going, God, I really love him. Please don't take him. God is like, he's your source of happiness. Water turned to blood. And that's how he does. He shakes things up in our lives in order to expose him. And the crazy thing is when you actually really fall in love with him, you realize he's eternal and everything else is temporary. Everything else is fleeting. Hey, everything like Gabe was in my office this morning. He got a he gonna put me on blast. I'm so sorry, Gabe. He got a new iPhone, so he's like, oh, you know, flexing his new. He got the three, you know, three cameras. I'm like, ooh, you know, he's showing me. But that iPhone will be in Gabe's junk drawer in two to three years because another iPhone will come out. iPhone 500 will come out at some point, and well, because everything in life is fleeting. Yeah. Everything in life is depreciating. I don't, I don't care if it has value and your property value is going up. You're going to die and give it to somebody else. 
Everything in life is fleeting, but there is something eternal. And God is like, the, the, the joy that I bring is greater than what the now can give you. And I'm not talking specifically about the now, but the things that you make happy in your life. God is like, I got something that's greater because the joy that I bring is eternal. It never ends. He turns the water into blood. Now, here's what's crazy. I, I missed this too. When he turns the water into blood, apparently he only turned the water on the surface into blood. The pools on the surface were turned to blood. The Nile underneath was still water. How do I know that? Because verse 24 says, and the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water, not, not blood. They dug along the Nile for water. And they actually got water. And when I was reading the commentators on this verse, you know, many commentators said that digging up water with, without filtering it like they would have done uh, for the, the regular water, to dig it up and then just to drink it for seven days to, to, to give yourself sustenance and to give yourself, uh, keeping yourself alive, the water would have been muddy. The water would have been cloudy. It would have been, it would have been dirty. Now, I have a problem with that. I mean, I, I can just tell you now, I don't even like New York tap water. I'm not from New York, and many New Yorkers be like, you crazy. We got the best water in the world. Tasha was at my house, and she was like, I ran out of water. She's like, just drink the tap water. I'm like, what am I, a dog? You just drink the tap water? The New York water is nasty. It's, it's thick. I don't care what y'all say. I got the mic today. It's nasty. It's it's. Thick, it's you you chew it. You you disagree, bro? Is it nasty? I don't get it. Like, what is this with New Yorkers? Like, it's this thing like our water is the best. Nah, it's not. It can make some good pizza. It, it can fluff up the, that the, the the dough on those donuts. But I don't know how they survived this. They literally went along the Nile River and dug down enough until they were able to get to water because the subsurface water was still water. And what they were doing was they were trying to go around God and still trying to find the happiness. That's what they were doing. And, and many of us, see, when I said God is going to turn some now rivers in your life to blood, many of you started getting out the shovel and going, I'm just going to dig. I'm good. He, he can do whatever you want. I still, I'm, I'm not going to turn to him. I'm not going to trust him. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to say he is my provider. I'm just going to get my shovel out and I'm going to start to dig. But every time you do that, you make more of a mess of things. The water was filthy. The water was dirty. And so what God uses in Exodus chapter five and in Exodus chapter seven is a crazy pandemic. The start of the pandemic. Again, read the rest of it and you will see how God uses this thing to expose himself. And God's interruptions typically have a way of aligning us back to his will. Let me say that again. God's interruptions typically have a way of aligning us back to his will. Now, not everybody was thrown so off spiritually in the pandemic. There have been some of you that have found the Lord in the pandemic. I should say it backwards. There have been some of you that God found you, which gave you the ability to find him throughout the pandemic. There have been some of you throughout the pandemic, you've never prayed so much. You've never been so connected to the Lord. And that's God's will to interrupt your life enough. And I thank God for the interruptions of life. Like, don't, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm okay now that we're moving out of the pandemic. But do not move out of this pandemic without the lesson God was giving you in the pandemic. Don't, don't be so hyped to take off that mask and go inside and eat in, in a restaurant without considering, God, what was the purpose and design? What lessons, what did I miss? Ask 
that question this week. If you're taking notes, do it on your, put it on your phone, write it down in your journal. God, what did I miss in the pandemic? What were you trying to reveal to me? What were you trying to expose to me that I missed throughout the pandemic? I just believe that every one of us, God has a unique way of doing that in his sovereignty. And he knows how to shape things and interrupt things in a way that all of us get something different. But nevertheless, we're all aligned to his will. We got to come out better. If you come out of this pandemic worse or the same that you did when you went in, you've missed it. We, we got to come out better. If I was in a charismatic church, we'd be jumping right now. We'd put that as a tagline, come out better. Oh, we'd be jumping and doing all that stuff. I'm telling you, some of us have to come out of this thing better, but you can only come out better when you understand as believers, we respond to the pandemic different. Because we're built different. He's getting a lesson that's different. Let's play something soft. Those of you who are serving, I, I know, you know, it's easy for us to just come in and, and do our thing. You know, this, this is what we do. It's Sunday morning. You know, God had me up. I told a few of those of you who are serving. God had at least four of the tech people on my mind this, early this morning, in the middle of the night. I got up and found myself praying for them. But I'm, I'm talking to those of you who are in the room. I want to pastor those of you who are in the room. And those of you who are online, I'm talking to you as well. Do not let this pandemic snuff out your spiritual life. God wants to expose who he is. And just when we think we know who he is, he always reveals a different side of him, a different facet of who he is. And sometimes those lessons aren't easy. They're not, always, they're not always simple, easy lessons. Sometimes he disrupts things in a way that can be painful, that can be hard. But nevertheless, his one purpose and goal is to show you who he is. Let me pray. Father, I pray for all of us today. Forgive us for missing it those of us who have Lord I'm saying those of us who have missed it where you you've constantly throughout the last year and a half used this pandemic to show us who you were in different ways and yet we've missed it we, we've we've gone past it and not really paid attention but I pray that you would get our spiritual discernment up Pray that you would help us to understand, God, what is it that you're doing? And I pray that this pandemic, oh God, would we would look back and say, it was hard. I don't lost loved ones. I don't lost jobs, but I still got you. Because I still got you, I got hope. Because I still got you, I got transformation. Because I still got you, I got salvation. Because I still got you. I got eternal life. And I look forward, Lord, the loved ones that we lost throughout this pandemic, the ones that have trusted in you, we will see them again. We'll get to sit around the throne and worship you. Father, I don't want to minimize the impact of this pandemic on somebody's life. I, I really don't. I don't want to be insensitive. I, forgive me, Lord. I, I don't mean to be. I just know that you use stuff like this. You cost 
10 plagues to change the direction of Israel. Father, I know. Father, I didn't even touch on how, yeah, the economy for the Egyptians fell, but overnight the economy for the Israelis went completely up. Father, you tell us in your word that before they left, you told them to go get the gold and the silver. You provided for them, even in the midst of the pandemic. So, Father, I pray, oh God, for that one that is hurting, that is financially hurting, that is grieving. I pray that you would expose yourself in a different facet, in a different way, so they can trust you more. Let this pandemic not dumb our spiritual life down, but nevertheless, let it turn it up. May we pray more. May we plead for you more. May we plead for your presence more. It's in the name of our Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.